Well, by all accounts, the uh, Ladies' Day yesterday was a marvelous success, a great time for our ladies to be together. I believe there were about 70, uh, not just from here, but several from neighboring congregations who also came to be a part of that day. I know that a lot of effort went into that, the planning and the putting it all together and and appreciate all the ladies who had a part in that planning and in putting it together and all of you who were who were able to be here. I know that you were blessed by that uh, opportunity. As we've uh, been looking at our uh, lessons on First John, there's a couple of slides that we've seen the last two weeks that that pretty much we're going to see for as long as we're in First uh, John. So hopefully by the time we get through, you will you will have these memorized. Uh, but want to start out. Ronald already, you know, hinted at least that uh, Sherry had read First John this week. So how many of you have read First John this week? All right, that's getting better. We're, we're at the upper end of just okay. Okay, so we, we want to get better. But I do encourage you to read First John, not be, just because it has to do with the lessons we're doing on Sunday morning, but because it is a blessing to read what John has to tell us. There is so much in there and there is no way that in our sermons and, and in the lessons that I'm going to be able to, to, to cover all of that or especially I'll not be able to make it meaningful to every single person every single week. And so that's your job. You read first John and you see where it is speaking to you and the things that, that is speaking to your hearts. Cause I think that that is really important. But John tells us exactly why he writes the book. In chapter 1 and verse 4, he says, We write this to make our joy complete. And then in chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. And then in chapter 2 and verse 26, he says, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. And then in chapter 5 and verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And as I was thinking, I mentioned this in our family life group this last Sunday, but as I was thinking again about these four purposes that, that, that John writes with, I really began to look at the first one and the last one as bookends. He says in chapter 1, I write these things to you that our joy may be complete. And then in chapter 5 and verse 13, he says, I write these things to you, believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, how can our joy be complete if we don't know we have eternal life? And so I think those two are really kind of bookends and the two in the middle are kind of what's going to lead to that joy and that confidence. When we understand sin and the consequences of sin and we purge it from our lives, then we will have joy and we will know that we have eternal life. 
When we understand that there are certain teachings, certain doctrine out there that we cannot believe, that we need to stay away from those who are teaching us falsely, then we can be confident in our joy and in our salvation and our eternal life. And so we also go ahead, Joe, looked at those four things that Paul, Paul, I'm going to do that a lot, I guarantee you in this study, that John says... In the book, as you read through it, those of you that have read through it and just kind of read through it over and over again, these are the things that kind of jumped out at me. First thing John says is that doctrine matters. And we talked about that. Unlike what our world teaches us, even the religious world, it does matter what we believe. What we believe is important. We can't just believe anything. And John says there are some out there who are trying to lead you astray by their teaching. Don't let them do it. Because what you believe is important. And then he says holiness matters. How you live is important. We're going to get more into that this morning. You cannot say, well, I'm a follower of God. I have fellowship with God. I love God. And then go out and live any way you want to. That doesn't cut it, he says. And then he says, love matters. Those are the verses we, we, we know from 1 John, isn't it? How that God lavished his love on us. How that we need to love one another. And how can we say that we love God who we haven't seen if we can't even love our brothers and sisters who we have seen? You can't love God and treat your brothers and sisters in a certain way. Love matters. But I just want to remind us. So does doctrine and so does lifestyle. You see, we have those out in the world who would tell us love is the only thing that matters. And John says, no, it's important. It is important. But it's not the only thing that matters. And then he says that confidence matters. And that's where we've been, you know, kind of, you know, setting our, our, our theme in. That we can know that we have eternal life. And those of you my age and older... That just feels a little weird because we grew up kind of in a, in an era, in a, in a atmosphere where you couldn't really know that you were saved. That was, that was way too bold. That was way too proud. That was way too boastful. You better think about that again. But John comes along and says, oh, no, 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 no. You can know. That you have eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? That we do not have to go through life not knowing. I want to know that I have eternal life. And so John writes to us about that. Today, look at verses 5 through 7. Actually, it'll be up here. If you can't read it up there, then you can get your Bible and you can read it there. John chapter, 1 John chapter 1 verses 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie 
and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And as we read through that, there were three words that kind of came to prominence. They were used at least more than once. There was light, there was darkness, and there was fellowship. And so this morning, I want to kind of look at each one of those separately and see what John was trying to get across to his readers and what John is trying to get across to me. So the first word we see is light. Now, you're no strangers to the scriptures. You know that throughout the New Testament, the contrast of light and darkness is used to describe our transformation as Christians. And John especially uses light to describe Jesus. And Jesus uses light to describe himself. Turn over to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And beginning in verse 3, John writes. Now we know 1 and 2, we've studied them, we, we like those, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning. Now verse 3. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And then flip over to John chapter 3 verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what he has done has been done through God. And then in chapter 8, Jesus talking about himself beginning in verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. First Peter chapter two and verse nine, Peter reminds us that God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And in first Thessalonians chapter five and verse five, we as Christians are called children of light. And then in a little scary verse, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 15, Paul says, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Whoa. I was kind of okay when it was cut and tried, light and dark. But now you're telling me that there's some false light out there. 
Well, that's kind of what John has been saying or will continue to say in his little letter. There are some out there claiming to be the light. There are some out there offering you a false light, but it's not the true light. It's not the real light. The real light comes from God. In fact, the real light is God. I love what that it says. It does not say God is a light. You notice that? God is light. A little later on, we're going to find out that God is love. God is love. Go all the way back to the beginning of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what's the first thing God said? Let there be light. And there was. It's always baffled me a little bit. That was on day one of creation. Let there be light. And there was light. What do we know about our light? Where do we get light from besides, you know, manufactured light? We get light from the sun, right? The sun gives us light. Or the moon, the reflection of the sun gives us light at night. God said on day one, let there be light. And there was light. And on day four, God created the sun and the moon. What? Wait a second. You you, you can't have the light without the sun. That's the source of light. Wrong. Right? God is Light. God didn't need to have a sun. God didn't need to have the moon. Doesn't it say over in Revelation, there's not going to be any night there and we're not going to need the sun because the sun will be the light. We're not going to need any of that stuff. God is light. Light is important. There is a disease, I guess you would call it. I don't know what else you'd call it. Called seasonal affective disorder. SAD. It's actually pretty pretty good acronym there. That is what happens when you do not get enough light. It's what happens to people who live in the northern, you know, up in Alaska and in those those whatever countries, those crazy countries up there where, you know, winter lasts forever and the and in the wintertime there, there's no sun. All day long, all month long, all winter long, the sun doesn't come up. And people go crazy. Literally. The depression is unreal. And doctors and have all, you know, kind of taken it back to the idea that, you know, what the sun provides us, the light is important. The nutrients and the way that it, you know, gets our bodies flowing and all those kinds of things are important. And if you're deprived of sunlight for any length of time, it is going to affect you adversely. The same is absolutely true spiritually. We cannot cut ourselves off from the light of God. From the light that he provides us, from the light that he gives us. We want to make sure that we don't suffer from depression and fatigue and more spiritually. Because we don't have the proper light. Don't we prefer light 
Don't you? Don't you? Don't you? I, I just prefer life. Now, there are times, you know, when I like to, you know, want to get romantic, turn the lights down or whatever, you know. But, you know, I like, I like light. That's why I personally despise next Sunday. I hate it. Because we change the time. And it will be dark at 5 o'clock and I will be ready for bed at 5.30. I love it when it's light. Now, now, like Michelle was saying, my daughter, she's saying she's going to love it because it will mean that when she goes to work, it's not like she's going to work in the middle of the night because it'll be lighter in the morning. I don't care about the morning. I'm not up with you people. Light. Light is important. We prefer light over dark physically, and we ought to prefer light over dark spiritually as well. Don't we prefer to walk in the light? It's in the dark. We talked about this before. You know, I would much rather walk in the light than in the dark because the dark is scary. We'll get to that in a minute. We're not there quite yet, but we'll get there in a minute. John is reminding us that it's important to walk in the light of God. Light does some things. Light exposes danger. You know, whether you're walking out in a, in, in a field. You know, I, we were over at Peyton's baseball game or something like that. And we parked in the middle of the field. And it was light when we were walking to the field. Well, you know what? You could see every little hole. Go for hole, every little hole that there was. You could see it and you can kind of avoid it. And you, eh. Well, when the game was over and we're walking back, it's night. It's dark. And it was like walking through a minefield. Everywhere you stepped, you were, you know, doing, because you, you couldn't. It exposes danger. God's light exposes the danger out there. John is saying, I'm trying to use God's light to expose some dangerous things that are being taught to you. Be careful. Light shines the way clearly for us. I saw something, you people my age and above, and and some of you may be younger, but, you know, I saw every now and then you'll see something. Those of you on Facebook, you'll see something on Facebook, you know, It'll take a picture of something that's old and it'll kind of say, you know, you have to be a certain age to know what this is or to remember this. And the other day it was one of those that had the, the little button on the floorboard of the car. You know, oh, you remember that's how you turn the bright lights on and off. I always thought that was cool. I like that better than that. You know, I like stomping on it or something. But yeah, I, you know. I only live a mile and a half or half a mile from the back of the high school to my driveway. But at night, that road is dark. And as soon as I get behind the high school, I hit those high beams. Because I don't want any hogs. Actually, if a couple hogs ran in front of me, that'd be okay. Because I take care of them. But, you know, deer or whatever the case may be, you know, running out in front of me. Now, with the low beams, I can get home. I'm okay. 
but I prefer the high beam. I, I want to illuminate the whole thing. Wake the neighbors up as I'm going down the road. Because it shows the way clearly. Same is true spiritually. The light shows the dangers. The light shows the way. What did, John, or what did the, the psalmist say about thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path or a guide to my path. Yeah. God is light. His word is light and guides us. So the second word we see in contrast to light is darkness. And, you know, hey, who darkened me? (laughs) Okay, that was freaky, Joe. Don't turn any more off because I'm out of here. Help you see better, I think. By contrast, darkness is everything light is not. John said in his gospels that the darkness hated the light when he came into the world. Jesus said that the place of eternal punishment was a place of darkness. I don't like the dark. I don't. It is scary. You say, and my head knows it, there's nothing there in the dark that's not there in the light. Maybe philosophically I know that, but I don't know that in here. Plus, there are creepy, crawly things that don't come out in the daytime. They only come out at night. And if it's the daytime, I can see them. If it's night, I don't. Several years ago, you know, going to my house, you have to cross over a little, uh, a creek. And it had one of those big culverts. And that culvert just kept sinking lower and lower. And Mr. Blackerby, bless his heart, he would call the county. You need to fix it. So they'd come on. And so the culvert was collapsing. And the county's, uh, you know, nothing against, you know, any county personnel. Uh, but the county's answer was, we'll just dump more asphalt on top of it. So we'll just make it heavier. And so it started to sink more and they dumped more asphalt on it. Until finally it just collapsed altogether. Well, you know, that's the only way to get to our house. That's it. And so they were going to take about a week to try to put the new culvert in and everything like that. And they got us some roundabout way. We went past the the baseball field over there to, uh, you know, the Batman place. And we'd go into his place and, uh, you know, go around. And we, we went right by somebody's trailer house close enough you could wave at him as you drove by. You know, to, to, to get around the back way. And so one night I'm coming home. And I didn't want to go that whole way. So I think to myself, I'm going to park on this side of the culvert, ditch, creek. And there was still enough where I could walk across. I said, I'll just walk home. And then when I come back in the morning, I'll just get in my truck and and, and go on. I didn't have a flashlight in my truck. But I could see way up on the hill, one of my neighbors had a security light. I'll be good to go. So I get out of my truck and close my truck. And I start rocking and I start walking up. And you know, the more modern trucks and cars, you know, the lights stay on for a certain period of time. And so I'm doing pretty good. 
And then the lights on my truck went out. And there were animals howling. There were beady eyes looking at me. I turned around, went back to my truck and went around the long way. Want no part of the dark. It's scary. But you know, Jesus said, there's some people who like the darkness. The ones who do evil. The ones who really don't want anything to do with God. They like the darkness. Because it hides their deeds. It hides what they're doing. And Jesus said we need the light. And John says we need the light. We cannot be in the darkness. And there can be no darkness where light exists. When we are walking in the light, the darkness must go. And that leads us to the third word we saw through here. And that word is fellowship. We talked about it in our introduction. In an intimate, in an, it is an intimate relationship. And John begins to make his point about holiness here. He says, we cannot have fellowship with God if we continue to walk in darkness. The two cannot coexist. He says, we lie and we do not live by the truth if we claim we have fellowship with God, yet continue to live in darkness. Look at chapter 2 and verse 3. He says kind of the same thing. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We cannot have fellowship with God and live in darkness. We cannot claim to be God's people. We cannot claim to be what God wants us to be. We cannot claim to be Christians. We cannot claim to be God followers. We cannot claim to be believers. We cannot claim any of that. And then live contrary to God's commands. John makes it very clear. It cannot be that way. We are liars if we say so. Then comes the but. Now we've seen, especially when we were in the Old Testament, that normally the but is not a good thing. Oh, so-and-so did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But he didn't do this, this, or this. Here it's a good thing. Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we are walking in the light, John says, two things happen. First of all, we have fellowship with each other. But the reason we have fellowship with each other is because if we are walking in the light, we have fellowship with God. You see, if you're walking in the light, you have fellowship with God. If I'm walking in the light, I have fellowship with God. And if you have fellowship with God and I have fellowship with God, guess what? We have fellowship with each other. Well, isn't that wonderful? If you're walking, if we are walking in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, purifies us from all sin. It's an ongoing process. 
It's a promise. And that is the legitimate reason for having the confidence that John tells us we should have at the end of his letter. Why can we know that we have eternal life? Because I am a super dude. Because I am really good. Because I am holy. Because I have been a preacher for 30 something plus years. I can have confidence in my eternal life because the blood of Jesus Christ purifies me from all sin. What? I thought you weren't supposed to sin. Not. Not supposed to sin. He'll talk about that in chapter 2. Not supposed to sin. He says, but if you do, but if you do, we have a sacrifice. But the key is walking in the light. What does that mean? If walking in the light means that Jesus' blood purifies me, I want to walk in the light. I want to know what that means. And he'll go on in chapter 2 to say, that doesn't mean, at least I don't think so, it doesn't mean the way I was taught or at least the way I assumed what I was being taught, that you sin once, you're out of the light. You sin, you're not walking in the light. Wait a second, whoa, 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 whoa. But verse 7 says, if we're walking in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, purifies us from all sin. Well, if we didn't sin, I wouldn't need his blood to purify me. You see, I think it is all about where are we heading? What direction are we going with? Where is our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength? If I am walking in the light, if I am putting God first, if I am doing my absolute best, if it hurts me when I sin, if I take sin seriously, then when I sin, God's, Jesus' blood purifies me from that sin. I believe that's what John is saying here. I don't believe what John is saying is that every time we sin, we're out of fellowship with God and then we're back in and then we're out and then we're not. No, as believers, we come into fellowship with God. And as we are walking in the light and as we stumble and as we make mistakes, Jesus' blood continues to purify us from all sin. Wow. That creates confidence. That creates the boldness that John writes about at the end of this letter. That we can know we have eternal life. But don't misunderstand me. And don't misunderstand John. But if we are walking in the light. See, that's the key. I can be walking in the light... And decide, I'm going to turn around and go the other way. Well, I'm not walking in the light anymore. That's different. 
I can be walking in the light and say, you know what? I don't care what God says. I'm going to live the way I want to live. John says, no, 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 no. That's not walking in the light. I can walk in the light and stumble and get up and continue walking in the light. That's different than turning around and going in another direction or choosing to live in darkness. And John said, now, now that, that's called sin. And that sin, until we turn back to God and become back in fellowship with him, that sin is not covered. So John tells us some things here that are very important. He tells us that God is light and we need to be in the light. He says that there is darkness out there. And you cannot stay in darkness. You cannot say that you have fellowship with the light. And then live in darkness. Doesn't work that way. And when we walk in the light, we have fellowship with each other through our fellowship with God. If you're here this morning, there's some way we can help you. As you strive to walk in God's light. We invite you to come down as we stand and as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D. C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol dot com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 818- West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.